Dear Shooter, when you have a size 62 waist, how do you determine the best tactical pants? Are they the best or did they pay media more? And when did we decide to go back to 1873 for defensive training? <laughs> Cowboy action. And who decided red and green should be the standard holographic dot? Let's go blue. Can we keep the guys on topic if I throw more than one at them? Let's find out. Just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, empowerment through self-reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Happy Thursday, and, and thanks a lot for just starting me out in tears. You're welcome. <laughs> so, I, I, all right. So the best tactical pants, and this all started out because I, I'm thumbing through the news and emails and everything this morning, and I came across three articles about the best this and the 10 best that, the seven best this, and I'm like, wait a minute. Says who? So this is where I'm going to chime in because I have a absolute disdain for the word best. And in talking with Michael Bain at the Ballistic Summit this year, I think he got it right because he has seen a lot of products. He's had a lot of things thrown at him, say, here, say nice things on TV about my stuff. Right? He said it very clearly. The second you say the best... You're just an asshole. Because <laughs> there's no way that you've had the chance to review everything in the category. And let's use your example of the best pants, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What criteria are they weighing the best against? How that fits on that one reviewer's ass? Apparently, because the, the and I pulled this back up, and, and they say that their, their criteria were material, pockets, and fit. And right, I'm, but, and, but then I start going through the list, and I'm like, all right, where's the, where's the Arcteryx? Okay, the fit, let me say, as a female, <laughs> none of them fit. But at least they have pockets. They do have pockets. They do have pockets. <laughs> but we're talking about tactical pants, right? Right. We're talking about uh, something that's supposed to be more tool than fashion. Exactly. So material, Right. Right. Some of that material that if it's going to have a rating of, you know, fireproof mm -hmm. or waterproof mm -hmm. is a different characteristic than it is if it's comfy on your butt. That's right. So how are you weighing that as far as the pest? I have no idea. My and, and based on and, and there were some brands in there I'd never even heard of. 
and and like I said, I, I, I saw one pair of 511s in there. I saw, I didn't see Arcteryx, which I expected to for an article like that. It, it, uh, my guess is it was the first 10 that, that got their products to him to review. I will gravitate towards pants that suit the function that I'm using. You're the best at putting buttholes in your I, pants. Well, I use them. They're tools. I, they get holes in wear places. It, but I like having pockets where I can reach them. And I have short arms. So, actually, I, I do try them on and see where if I can get my hands in all the pockets or not. Usually not. No, I usually can't. If I have to bend over to put my hand in a pocket, these pants aren't for me. Well, just because you have T-Rex arms, that's not my fault. Well, but but it, it's how it fits me, right? <laughs> yes. I am not going to stand here and go, these are the best pants for you, Jason Crowdle, long-legged motherfucker. Uh-huh. Well, it, it, and you told me one, it, you were just telling me one, it was like the, the, the seven best rifle cartridges. Yeah, so well, there's a whole stack of them. Um, Pew Pew Tactical, Enfield and Stream both are very guilty of saying the best. Um, the one that caught my eye today, the best AK-47 ammo. All right, so we're talking about an AK-47, 762 by 39. Steel case right. wolf. A, a lot of the times that's what you get. The thing with AK ammo is you want it to go bang. You right. want the projectile to leave the muzzle. And as an AK shooter, that's really about all your criteria has to be. Pretty much. I mean, you, you know, you fix it with a shovel. It, AK, it, it, it's not a precision weapon. They're measured in minute of barn. Correct. So when you <laughs> the best ammo for the AK-47. The one that goes bang. The one that goes bang. They all go bang. Pretty much. Right? So the second you say best, makes my head explode. <laughs> and if that's your goal, keep doing it. But damn. Well, the other one you told me that just kind of blew my mind, it was... Uh, and it, and it really was. It was like the seven best. It was like precision rifle cartridges and stuff. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. We reload for a reason. Correct. Because we want to tune that ammo to the gun. Correct. And and all factory loads are built on Sammy spec. Correct. And now I have rifles that like some factory loads. Oh, I do too. So I leave it alone. Right. Um, but you can't say it's the best ammo. Right. Um my sex creed doesn't give a shit. It'll shoot any of it. It'll shoot any of it. Yeah, and you've got you've got that gun. So best doesn't matter. Right now, it's whatever's least expensive because my gun goes okay, whatever. Right, and th they go on in the in the headline say the best ammo for big game hunting. Well, all right, by what caliber? Western states, eastern states. The second you do that, you have limited your crowd so deep mm -hmm. that it, the credibility of the review goes right out the window. Right. Worse yet, I see reviews out there um, that are trying to do comparisons. And they're obviously written by somebody who has very limited knowledge. Because time and time again, they were trying to compare the 308 win to the 30 odd 6. Um, Apples oh. and oranges. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the comparison right now because anything that article has to offer is invalid. Right. They don't compare. They're not meant to compare. Mm -mm. They're short action cartridge versus a long action cartridge. Mm -hmm. They're both military NATO spec stuff, but on the other end of the day, they are used for different things. I know. I, and, and as close as you can get is they'll they'll accept the same bullet. Well, then why don't we compare 22 long rifle against the 5.56? Five, five, right. It's 
te- not technically the same bullet, but we're the same caliber. Mm-hmm. Stop it. <laughs> God, it makes me nuts. <laughs> so in what circumstance could you use the best? I don't know that you can, not objectively. You have to really narrow the scope of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, for these folks, is it really narrows the scope of viewership or readership you're going to get interested in. Mm-hmm. So I get what they're trying to do. It's the 1940s headline tactic. The best. Right. Now, I, I would like to see them preface some of these articles of what I found to be the best for me. Because now you're being subjective, and and I think it lends more credibility to what they're writing. And it obviously puts out there what they're all doing anyway, is it's an opinion piece. Right. And I'm okay with that. I want to know what the test study was for pants. For pants, the test study. I mean, study. did they just put them on and find which was more comfortable? Did they crawl through the swamp what 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 did do you do my little turn yeah, on could, the could you clear your house at 3 a.m and then go welding in them i mean we know you can't go welding them i've seen your tech pants well it's because i i've done both Shut in the same set of pants. up <laughs> just because i set a set on fire well, well, that burning weeds dude that wasn't welding. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how you did that <laughs> i don't either under under flame resistant carhartt so go figure that one not as flame resistant as one would hope no Apparently not. Did you call Carhartt's on that one? No, I didn't. What See, are they? What are they going to do? Well, and therein lies the difference between us and some of the folks we see out there as customers. Huh? You set your pants on fire. Doing something stupid. Now the label said that they were flame resistant Carhartt's. Mm-hmm. They said resistant, not yeah, know, yeah, not proof. <laughs> but we have customers that would have called in to say, "Hey, um, what color is that dot of yours? Is it red?" <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, it's not. Well, now. Yeah, now. That technology right? didn't exist a year ago. How's that going to go? You know, everybody's like, oh, it's got to be red. Oh, it's got to be green. Got to well, be red. Got to be green. We, we run into this thing in the marketplace where that type of optic, a red dot sight, right? I just said the name. It's not brand specific. It's to a type of optic, right? And it's become such the norm that when you say red dot sight, you know what we're talking about. No magnification, um, an easy pass-through electronic optic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Notice I called it a holographic dot. Correct. Well, and <laughs> well, and that's just it, too. Like, you talk about it being a very ubiquitous term. Yeah, That's going to apply to a closed emitter, to an open emitter, to, uh, you know, uh, the, the RDS that we use on our pistols. Or it's going to be that closed emitter aim point that you put on your rifle. Correct. It's There's no difference. It's a red dot sight. Now, the technology is similar. Um, where you emit a LED or a fiber optic powered by an LED, uh-huh. right? And whatever color you do it in, the screen that you're reflecting that light off of has a coating on it. Right. That coating specifically strips a wavelength of light. This In this case, it's red. Uh-huh. So you can use it as an aiming point downrange. Mm-hmm. Now, looking in the other side of the optic, you don't get to see that. Nope. Because it's tiny. Mm-hmm. Right? We're using optics in the curve of the lens to make that a different size. Mm-hmm. So the technology is very similar in what we do with green dots or even now the blue dots that we're working into a reflex site for the E7. Right. So, all right. 
let me back you up for a second here. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best. But what I am going to say, it is the first. That is correct. Closed emitter, blue dot, to come to market. Correct. So in the E7, um, we changed up the coatings. Mm -hmm. We changed up the LED that it's powered by. Um, we're forcing that LED through a screen, which is a reticle. Um, so you have some actual usefulness out of it rather than just a dot. Right. And using the color blue, we're, we clearly define some advantages. Right. Um, the human eye has a very distinct physiological structure. The, the rods and cones, if you remember back to biology, right, the rods and cones in your eyes work a very specific way. Mm -hmm. And light being the nature of what it is, white light is all colors. Right. Black light is the absence thereof. Right. Okay. So with a blue, it's the fastest wavelength to come to your eye. Your eyes regenerate on blue faster than anything else. So, for example, you could take a flashlight, wipe out your day vision with it, and as you're looking through the optic, you will pick up the blue much, much faster, and the surrounding environment as it comes back much, much faster than you will with a red one. If you're using red and that happens to you, the red's going to come back last. Mm -hmm. It is the slowest wavelength that we've got to use. Interestingly enough, the current technology in LEDs is super efficient. So the circuitry we need to push the power out saves our battery life by a bunch. So while it may not be the best or even the right solution for you, it does have some advantages. And we're going to capitalize that on Move Forward. And so, now I know you got your initial shipment in a month ago. And those went pretty fast. Uh, you have since received your second shipment. Correct. So, um, any deals to be had on these? Yeah, we're probably going to run one out directly after Thanksgiving on the E7. Um, with a little bit of PR and some push on it. Okay. Um so, yeah, there will be a deal as we advance towards the Christmas holiday. We have them in stock. So there you go, guys. Uh, your chance to get to be the first on your block to get your hands on a blue dot. Yes. Now, one of the things that I do know about this and, and the reason that the industry has been so stuck on red and green, uh, there was some difficulty with the coatings to make this work that was that seemed to be your biggest hurdle on this oh my gosh his first one came back barney purple it was not right <laughs> it was so not right i kind of thought it was cool and and so it's an economical thing um for the past what 20 years with holographic sites coming into the market commercially readily available lenses have been pre-made with these coatings on them and then ground to shape mm -hmm. right so any manufacturer out there could pull from an off-the-shelf optics supplier and get their lenses put in spec really really fast because they were pre-coated and ready to go they've been sitting in warehouses waiting right um, to do it in a reflex with blue has not been that way um, and Sorry, guys, but the industry's a shade lazy. Mm. They don't embrace change like you think they do. They, they, they bring out new items all the time, and it's, if you look real close, it's not necessarily new. No. Um, I'm going to pick on Walther tonight. I love my Walther. Do not get me wrong. Don't construe this in any way other than I noticed that their brand-new PDP, it's not necessarily a P, but it's a 380, is 
their PDP, their nine millimeter, in a different chamber. Right. While that is interesting, it's not a new gun. No. No. But Same they made a big old splash about it as a new gun. Right? Same gun, a different caliber. Right. So when you're looking for something new, look for the innovation. Right. Why and where is it new? Right. Does it make what you do easier? Are you better at it? Is there a reason for it to be there? Ask those questions. Stop looking at the tag on the side and start looking at the function of the item. Right. And if, yeah, if you're looking for something like that, look for something that's, I mean, if it's new and if it's going to make a splash, it's going to be a radical change. Uh, Bilson Arms showed us that. Oh, my gosh. That thing's cool. You know, you've got a you, you, different from any AR that I've ever had in my hands, a forward charging AR. I mean, that's cool. So it's interesting because the way you handle that firearm, you have your hand in a forward position already. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you prescribe to the C-clamp idea or not, your hand's already up there. Right. And if something goes wrong, you have to clear a malfunction or it just simply needs recharged. Your hand's already in position. Mm-hmm. It is really a game changer for a lot of ways. It was born for a, a, a three-gun kid that he lost because the time it took him to charge the gun was the difference between first and second, mm-hmm. right? This system will fix that. It's interesting. Um, a couple of years ago, Bilson Arms came out to our Ballistic Summit, and they, again, fixed a three-gun issue of going from your primary site to a secondary site with a rotating buckstock. Right. Um, it's kind of cool. It's well-built. Um, I'm not good enough with one to take advantage of all of its features, but I told him that if he was going to come back to Ballistic Summit, he had to come with something new. And he just kind of smiled and walked away, and this year he knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. It's the first real innovation on an AR that I've seen in 20 years. Well, what I think is really cool about it is he's got a semi-auto version of this which now allows you to take your AR into non-permissive environments. So think places like California, New York, Illinois. Uh, you can also take this now overseas and hunt with it. Uh, I, would, I would guess that you know, you're probably going to have to jump through some hoops, but because it is not a semi-automatic, uh, you've eliminated a lot of issues. I agree. It's going to be interesting. I would like my audience to know that those of you who listened to my intro, the answer to my final question is no. Did we digress already? We have not yes. digressed. We just got out of order. She has it written down, dude. I'm not going to argue with her. <laughs> <laughs> that was not on the list. Oh, good Lord. Well, I'll tell you what. The let's answer is no. I'll tell you what. Let's just take a break. We'll pay some bills, and we'll come back out back on track. The 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company is an extension of the mountain lifestyle, bringing together the old and the new. Generation after generation, men and women alike all share the same passion, enjoying it for a day, a weekend, a lifetime, or somewhere in between. No matter how long it's embraced, the combination of friends, mountains, memories, and spirits brings people together like no other. To encourage these relationships and to embrace the mountain lifestyle, and to honor the 10th Mountain soldiers who inspired our way of life. They have created a tribute spirit company in Vail, Colorado. Not only is it a tribute to the 10th Mountain Soldier, but it is a tribute to those who enjoy the mountain lifestyle, living it fully every day. Support those that support us, and to make it easier, 10th Mountain has offered our listeners a discount. Just enter Dare Shooter at checkout for 10% off your next order. 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirits. Whiskey worth fighting for. 
Okay. So another thing that we were discussing was we're seeing a proliferation of instructors going out and doing a lot of stuff with lever actions, with revolvers, um, kind of doing the whole cowboy thing, but in a very self-defense, uh, modern fashion. There is nothing wrong with cowboy action firearms and a defensive model. No. Um, they started out there. Um, they've proven and weathered the test of time. They may not carry the amount of ammo that th the modern rifles do, but modularity is finding its way into those platforms, and they're, they're cool. Right. Um, I'm going to own a full set. Just And it'll be a tactical version thereof, the cowboy action stuff, but they will be in my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't blame you one bit. And, and for, for those of you that are looking at this and going, what in the hell are these guys doing? I want you to think about just what we were, we were just talking about with the Bilson. Think about those non-permissive environments. Think about the gun regulations that keep coming down. They keep going after the scary black rifles and the high-capacity magazines, although we should say uh, standard-capacity magazines because that's what those guns were designed to run, okay? 17 rounds in, a full, in most full-size 9 millimeters. They keep attacking those, uh, but for the most part, your lever actions, your wheel guns, they are not seeing that kind of pressure. They're not seeing the pressure. They're not. They're not seeing that pressure at all. And I've been to a couple cowboy action matches, and I have been absolutely floored about how proficient some of those folks are running those platforms. They are fast. Um, the single action pistol, there's nothing slow about that pistol whatsoever. And a guy that's hands that knows what he's doing. No. Lever action's the same way. Um I have watched some of those guys that game it a little bit. They put short stroke kits on the lever guns, and gosh dang it, they are every bit as fast as I can run an AR. Well, considered some of the other advantages, you can take a lever action Marlin, and you can take a, a revolver, and now both of them are running 357 or 44 Magnum. Right. Okay. You've got commonality of ammunition. So now you're only buying one type of ammo to run two guns. Well, that's how cowboy action started out. Mm -hmm. um, your your handgun and your rifle needed to be the same caliber. And if you think about the frontier, the, the Wild West type of thing, that made a lot of sense. Oh, it's huge. When you go to the general store, you bought a case of 357. Right. And that's what your rifle took. That's what your handgun took. It solved a lot of your problems. Mm-hmm. But that's why these guys are doing this. And and I think for a lot of reasons, it's smart. Um, now, I could I could do without 10-gallon hats. It's a little distracting in class. But I get the premise of what they're doing here. Yeah, but it keeps the sun off your head. It does. Keeps the sweat out of your eyes. <laughs> I don't know about that. Keeps the sunburn from happening on top of his head. Shut up, just because I have a solar panel. Oh, don't you even start. I got a whole array on top of my head. <laughs> so, and you've got that set up too, don't you? You got, you got a Marlin in 357, and you do have a wheel gun. Yeah, I've got uh, a couple different varieties. I have a lever gun in 45 Colt. Okay. Um, and I have a 45 Colt single action. Um, I have a 357 lever gun, and I have a 357 single action. Okay. Um, it, they take the same load. Um, I don't game it all that much. Some of those those competitive guys do, but it, it makes the simplicity of going to the range or 
God forbid, going on mission, kind of handy when you have the same ammo. No, and I think that's I think it's really smart. I, I the guy the guys that I see are doing it are, seem to be doing it out in the western states, but you guys in California, in Illinois, in New York, in these non-permissive environments behind enemy lines. Yeah, start looking at this <coughs> because. They're really out, they really are looking at this to kind of get around a lot of the laws that you guys have to deal with. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. The thing you're getting an advantage to now is you get that proven test of time reliability in action and all the access to the lights and the optics and the things that you want to pull out from a modern position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing that we got coming up, too, Ruger took over Marlin. Uh, I saw what about two about two years ago yeah now I I've spoken to a couple of guys at Ruger and they are finally starting to get ramped up and caught up with production so we're actually going to start seeing those Marlin darks coming to market so the darks and the guide guns I've got an affinity for those those are neat neat platforms Mm -hmm. so the Marlin dark um, that comes standard with a lot of your modern equipment on it yeah the stocks are new uh, adjustable the, the four-ins have all the M-lock and the rails that you might want. Um, the guide gun's a little less of that, a little bit more streamlined, but they come in calibers that are unheard of. Well, a lot of those are coming with compensators on them, too. Yeah, threads for suppressors. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about a review that I'd like to see done. Okay. Um, and maybe we can get Bishop or somebody like that involved in doing this because that would be kind of a cool deal. Oh, Bishop. Now, those two ladies, uh, I I swear, you know, she is tougher than I am because she comes out with these outrageous calibers, and I'm just like, I like my shoulder, thank you. But, I mean, it's in a cool lever gun. It is a cool lever gun. But, I mean, let's do a review on the best, right? You can get 4570 in a handgun and in the guide gun. So you got your, your proven single action accuracy and then durability in a cartridge that is no joke. Let's just put it out there. But if you have to handle T-Rex in your backyard, what is the best caliber and platform to do that in? I'm going to say that's an article I read. 500 Linebaugh. I bet Bishop would do that. I, I I bet she would, and she'd probably soup it up. Can you get a pistol in 500 Linebaugh? I don't. Yeah, a revolver, big can ass you, thing. Can you hold on to the pistol? With John Linebaugh can, and he said he developed it. For single-shot stops on garbage trucks. It would work. But with my little <laughs> Mickey Mouse pitties, I don't know that I could. <laughs> That's crazy. Five I'm going to get him the white gloves for Christmas now. It's got to be done. <laughs> get him a Mickey Mouse outfit. <laughs> I'll wear it. Don't play. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So your review. Yeah, and let's look at an optics kit to put on it. I think the E7 would fit very nicely on top of that lever gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one going on my Henry X right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually right for that platform. I, I saw that sitting on there, and I kind of really like it. Mm-hmm. And you're doing your own leather work on that. I am. Well, if you're going to get into it, you got to do a little bit of personalization, right? Yeah, but you know, I've seen you sew. It's not going to be bad. The <laughs> stitching's not going to go against my paws. <laughs> Don't judge. That's not nice. We'll just see how much blood's all over it when he's done. That will be the litmus test, yeah. Well, he is using red leather. I am not. I'm pretty sure he stole it out of some banquette somewhere. He's lying sack of shit. (laughs) God. 
The love in this room <laughs> flows. <sighs> Take a drink of your tenth mountain and you just chill. <sighs> All right. <laughs> but you bring up the Henry, and and that's another really good option for leather lever lever guns. He's reboot. Yes. Henry is a great option for a lever gun. <laughs> and it's also a great option for some leather on a lever gun. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and for those of you at home, I'm getting the middle finger. No, Henry's always been a good option, and, and I'm excited to see some of the stuff coming out of the Marlin factory now that it, they're under Ruger. I, I can't imagine a better company to take that over after Remington. It just makes sense. Um, but you talk about calibers, you know, forty-five seventy. That's a beast. Four fifty-four Casul oh. for a short cartridge. That's an absolute monster. And I and I think it is Marlin that that shows that they're good against Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. So there you go. And and you have one in your backyard. You can try it out on. That's a Velociraptor. But well, I might shoot it. Well, well. My neighbors won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Suppressed. Yeah. Now you're talking. That could probably work. <laughs> My neighbors still won't be happy. Well, your neighbors are never happy. This is true. I mean, th- that's what you get for, for being a gun-toting, card-carrying member of the NRA living on a golf course. It didn't ma- make my neighbors ha- unhappy till I torched the cannon off. Well, that's... Yes, I have a cannon in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> you did get a phone call on that, didn't you? I did, and it was so funny. <laughs> Guy knocks on the door, and it open the door and it's a city cop. <laughs> I live in the county. He can do absolutely zero. He's out of his jurisdiction. And I make the remark that, oh, city cop. He goes, oh, you." I said, I'm in the county. He goes, oh, thank God. Can I shoot the cannon? <laughs> so we marched him out there in uniform for God and everybody to see and let him torch it off. That was so much fun. And I, I, I hope your neighbors did see this because that then they're going to go, ah, crap. Doesn't do any good to call the cops on Wilson. That's right. Well, and to be fair, they were whiny because he only does this on the 4th of July. It's not like a weekend thing every weekend. And I invite them all to the party. Right. So hey, it, you, my conscience is clear. You know what? And that's what I was always told as a kid. My parents taught me if you're going to have a party, you invite the cops and the neighbors because then there's nobody to get you in trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good plan. So that brings us back around. So we've, let's see here. We've covered uh, something new. Uh, you know, we've talked about Bilson. We've talked about Lucid Blue and the, their, your new reflex optic. We've, we've talked about old. You know, we're bringing back the, the lever actions and the single actions. Um, it, it borrowed. I guess. I guess we go to Bilson on that one. He kind of borrowed the pump from the shotgun, right? Dude, I'm not marrying you. <laughs> I mean, we've got, we've run the gamut tonight. We have. So, bottom line, um, we live in a golden age of firearms, of accessories, of tactical gear. Uh, there is no objective best. Correct. It's all going to be what's best for you. Best is personal. It, it absolutely is. And, and that's a journey that I think we all go through as shooters, is finding that best for us. And, and the first thing that we have to do, as always, is stop blaming the gun. 